welcome all of you today. If you're a guest here with us today, we welcome you. So glad to have you in service with us today. To all of you that are joining us online, we welcome you. And uh, especially we acknowledge those of you watching today that are a part of us that are unable to be here for whatever reasons. Thanks for being apart from where you are. Praise God. I, um, as most of you know, because it happened just a couple of months ago, but just turned 50 in November. I basically started preaching when I was 18. There's some things that I struggled with preaching at 18 I don't really struggle with anymore but then there's some other things that I think they are ongoing healthy struggles because if you reach a point you don't struggle with some things there's a chance you could be going the wrong way in a variety of directions and uh, I find it even more challenging today because with all of the availability through social media and the internet, it's very easy now to compare preaching and preachers. I mean, years ago, you had to have a CD or a cassette tape. And, uh, you know, you had to be really, really intentional. But it's very easy. I said it, I think, Thursday night. I heard someone say this past week about all the people who have, you know, over the last almost two years with the pandemic, have done a lot of church hopping from the living room. <laughs> Used to, church hopping had to do with going from one physical church to another one. But now you can. And uh, so there's a part of it that's a healthy struggle, and then there's another part that I know is really the enemy is the source of it. And, and it just seems like so much of what we hear today in preaching is just very positive and encouraging and uplifting, motivational. And I, I referenced this passage Thursday night, and actually, I don't think I really realized it until this morning. I just decided to look it up again. It's kind of funny because I'm about to read to you my text this morning, and there's a few times in Scripture where a verse is repeated almost word for word. I'm just so happy that's what I'm going to read at the beginning here this morning, but I didn't realize that the Lord through Ezekiel two different times says if I tell you to warn the wicked and you don't warn them then I'm going to hold you accountable your blood's on their hands and then he says if I if I tell you to warn the wicked and you warn them and they don't heed the warning then I'm not going to hold that against you and there's two different times in Ezekiel where the Lord says that through Ezekiel. And uh, that's part of the thing that reminds me that my job, my responsibility, my calling as a pastor and a preacher is not to just be a motivational speaker. 
It is to declare the Word of God. And so uh, this, is, this is one of those times in which the direction we're about to go is very different than the direction. And I think that's an awesome thing. Because God really is a God of grace and truth. He has a balance. So all of that to get to Proverbs 14 and verse 12, and then we're going to turn a few chapters over to Proverbs 16. But Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says this, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then Proverbs 16 and verse 25, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Message Bible says, Proverbs 14, 12, this way, There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. And then the Living Bible, and I want you to keep this translation of this verse in mind because some of you will recognize right off the bat some things Jesus said, but if you're not familiar with it, we'll get to it in a few minutes. The Living Bible says it this way, Before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death before every man and man here in these verses is not gender specific it's talking about mankind so it's men and women male and female before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death Father I thank you for your wonderful presence that's already worked and moved in such a kind and loving way. I trust and believe that there are some people that are, because of what you've already done, are going to walk out of this place today differently. Came in with anxiety, fear, worry, depression, hopelessness, but they're going to leave with peace and trust and confidence and the assurance that you're in control and I thank you for that God I believe you've got more that you want to do in this service this morning and I trust that now through your word that you would speak that you would minister that we would have ears that are open to hear and receive what you would say in the name of Jesus Christ I trust you today I depend on you Lord trust you for your anointing this morning in Jesus name Amen God bless you you may be seated as I've already referenced the Bible that we have and it being in English and the translation. Not only are there times when 
you dig into the original word and find a, a, sometimes a different, other times just sort of a deeper meaning than what the English word says. There, there are also times in which, because of the way the translators did it, there are some, there are some words, sometimes it's more than one word in a verse that was not in the original language. And because of an effort to make it more understandable or clearer or the meaning that was thought of it, some words were added. And a lot of times in the King James Bible, and uh, again, if you use a digital Bible, some kind of, whether it's on a phone or iPad or whatever else, a lot of times they don't show this as clearly in a digital version, but in a printed version, you will find that there's there's often times where there's words in a verse that are in italics. And the reason that they're there is it's it's an, it's a way of the translators telling you these words were not in the original language. They've been added. And, and there's a lot of times in Scripture where that's the case that it, it really doesn't change the the meaning in a significant way of the verse. And and so it can be helpful. But but then there's some times it does. If you take those words out, if you read it without the, the words in italics, it, it does make a difference in what is being said. But then it's not all the time. We'll, 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 we'll get into second gear at least here in a moment, so... Bear with me. I, I do this. Some of you probably like, come on, Brother Wright, we know all this. But I, this was really, I thought, a very awesome thing. Just a couple of weeks ago, someone had a guest in service with them. And they were so unfamiliar with the Bible that as I was preaching and verses were being put on the screen, they were literally having to explain what those numbers were and what all that meant. So I know a lot of you, this is all very common knowledge to you, but just in case there's somebody that doesn't fully understand, it's, it's worth taking a few moments of something you may already know. And so there are some times, again, where the words are not in the original and they're also not in italics. And these two verses that I have read to you this morning, that is the case. Because according to the Bible software that I use and the, and the Hebrew and the Greek dictionary that's on there, in verse number 12 of chapter 14, the two words that are not in the original is the words, which seemeth. And then in verse 25, and this is the only difference, it's a one word difference in this verse. 14 and 12 says, which seemeth, and 16 and 25 says, that seemeth. So, those two words in each of those two verses are actually not in the original, in fact. And I don't want to bore you, but again, just giving you a little more explanation in in. in Bible software that I've used all my ministry basically if a word is in the English and not in the original when you look up that verse 
in the, it's called an interlinear Bible. When you look up that verse, it'll give you every word. Yeah, I've never gone into this much detail with this, but maybe somebody will learn something. Maybe somebody has been around here a while will learn something you didn't really know. But in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament and Greek, every word in the, in the dictionary, the Bible dictionary, has a number assigned to that word. And so when there is a word that is not in the original language, it's given the number, it's either 999 or 9999. I can't remember, I should know it as many times. 9999. And when you click on the definition for that word, basically the definition of that word is this word was not in the original. <laughs> in fact, there's an explanation that it wasn't in the original, it was added. And it will also tell you that oftentimes it's in italics or some other way it's indicated. So, again, which seemeth and that seemeth are not in the original language. And as simple as that may sound, it really does change what the verse is saying. Because there is a big difference between what seems right, what you think is right, versus what you know is right. There's a lot of game shows, trivia type shows that that provide uh, uh, helps, lifelines. There's a I can't remember if it's 95.1 or 91.9, but one of those two has, I think they do it every day, it's called Bible or Not. And they'll read a phrase or a statement, and, and the caller is supposed to identify if that's from the Bible or not. And uh, if you get three of them right, two out of three or three of them, I can't remember, uh, you, you get like a Chick-fil-A meal or something. And you get at least one help. I think it might even be two. Anybody? I know I'm not two. You get two. And, and I think it's the hosts that you can. And, and, and what's kind of funny is they, they sometimes, they're honest. They, they're not fully sure either. But there's a, there's a big difference between the person who responds and says, that's Bible. Or that responds and says, that's not Bible, versus the person who says, I think. And, and then what happens is that the, uh, the host, whichever one is, is answering, the, the oftentimes they'll say, I, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's Bible. And then they'll give like a percentage. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 80% sure that it's Bible. And then the caller has to decide, am I going to go with your 80% level of confidence, especially if it's different than what I think. There's a, there's a difference. Anybody ever taken a test, whether in grade school or college, where you put down the answer that you thought it was the answer? You, you, you thought it was the right answer. 
There's a difference between the way you enter that answer versus the way you enter the answer you know. I mean, you ask me what 2 plus 2 is, I'm going to give you that. I know the answer. But, but you know when somebody, somebody, at least they're honest, they think they know, but they're not 100% sure. That, you know, I think, I, I think it's there. I think this is the way you go. I think you should turn here. There's a difference in your driving to a destination where you know the way versus you think you know. I'm, 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 if you don't fully know, you just think you know, I, I'm pretty sure this is the... I'm pretty sure this is my turn. I think this is the one. I've used this in many other, many times in a little bit different context, but when, when, when I, at whatever point I head home today, I'm not going to drive home and make turns based on what I think or what seems. This seems like the way to my house. No, I know. And at the risk of belaboring the point of all of that is because we're living in a world and perhaps even some people sitting here this morning where you have come to the conclusion that you have found a right way. Not that it seems right, but it is a right way. You have convinced yourself it is the right way. But as I will read before I get done, the Lord willing, there is only one way. And unfortunately, I guess for you and I, your way and my way is not that way. There is a way which seems, there is a way which is right unto a man, but the end is the ways of death. We live in a world more than ever before where we're we, we, where the message is, live how you want to live. Do what you want. There are no absolutes. There is no right and wrong. Do whatever you want to do. That seems right. And in a lot of ways, from a natural standpoint, we can wish that was right. But I've come to tell you today, whether you're a guest or you come here all the time, I've come to declare to you this morning that according to this book, there are there is a way. Not the way that seems right. Not the way that I think is right. But there is a way that is the right way. And it is the only way. There's some, there's some verses in the Bible that are just absolutely tragic verses. One of the things I love about Scripture, and, and, and especially in the context of reading about the people in the Bible, is the Bible is very transparent. It doesn't hide the flaws and the failures and the faults of the characters in it. Most of them you can find really easily mistakes and failures. Some that you could maybe from a natural perspective look at as being small failures and Others you would look at as being very significant major failures. One just simple example that comes to mind is King David. The Bible doesn't hide his mistakes. The Bible doesn't cover up for all. In fact, it tells us some things very plainly. It, it tells us about his adultery. It tells us about his plot to cover his adultery. And yet, the Bible tells us he was a man. 
after God's own heart. If the scripture was not as clear, as transparent, if we did not get that real picture, most of us might as well quit and give up. Because we've got some stuff we've done that disqualifies us. But again, part of the beauty from this perspective is that it shows us that you don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes and God forgives and God restores and God renews. And then there's some verses like this that tell us very plainly some very sad things. Judges 17 and verse 6, talking about the children of Israel, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man, again, man here is not talking about male, it's mankind, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges 21 and 25, this is, the, this is the last verse, the very last verse of this book. Instead of it being some awesome, exciting, wonderful statement, the very last verse is basically a repeat of the verse I just read, Judges 21, 25. In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Oh, the consequences of people simply doing what is right in their own eyes. The problems that are caused, the issues that we face when people live with the attitude of doing what is right in their own eyes. They leave here today going, well, the first half of that service was better than the second half. Sometimes, you know, sometimes in games, that's they, they, you play better in the first and worse, in, or vice versa. They did what was right in their own eyes. The problem when we get into doing what is right in our own eyes, we don't usually agree on what is right. What you think is right and what I think is right are not the same thing. And, 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 and the problems that are caused, you can read about it in Scripture, the problems that the children of Israel went through because of doing what was right in their eyes. That's, that's again part of the challenge we face in our world today is, is everybody with the right the right to choose. It's my life. I'll live it the way I want to live it. Oh, what a, one of the greatest deceptions of all of time. It is your life and you can live it the way you want to live it. But I've come to tell you today that if you choose to do it that way, there is one outcome. There is one end to living your life your way. You calling the shots. You deciding what's right and what's wrong. You deciding what's true and what's untrue. There's one outcome and the scripture says the end of that outcome is death. Not might be death. Not a, it's not a gamble. It's not a, it is the way 
of death. There's another example of this to me in Matthew chapter 19 verse 16. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, Thou shalt not do murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you, if you want to go all the way, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. The first things Jesus responded and said, he was all excited to reply and say, I got all that, I've done all that. I've abided by all those commandments. Is there anything else you, that, that I need to know? And so Jesus says, I, I need you to give up everything and then come and follow me. But the Bible says, when the young man heard that saying, when he heard the first things Jesus said, he, he, he thought, I'm good, I got this. But now when he hears this saying, the Bible says he goes away sorrowful. Because he had great possessions. Now, you know, that, that's not the way that seems right to me. That, that's not the way that fits into what I want to do, that fits into how I want to live. I, I, you know, I, I wanted it, but... I'd like to have eternal life. However, that, that cost is too much. Anybody ever gone shopping for something you, you thought you wanted? You thought you wanted it. You had convinced yourself until you found out the price tag. You know, I'd love to have that, but I think I can live without it. I, you know, it'd be nice to, but you know, I, that's what this young man was saying. You know, if I can have eternal life, it'd be great. I, I'd like to add it to my resume. But if that's the cost, I'm not willing to pay that price because I'm going to live my way because my way is the way that I think Leads to life. Leads to an enjoyable life. And so I, I'm going to give up your way and I'm going to take this way. The problem is my way. The world's way. Anybody's way besides Jesus' way. Ends. In death. It seems right. It feels right. You want it to be right. You think you have the right to choose. But the problem is this. You, you, you're not the creator. You know, we, we have a tendency. 
Uh, you know that struggle I told you about before I started preaching? I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> we have a tendency, we, 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 to be hypocritical. I don't mean hypocritical and pretending to be one thing and being something else. Some people do that, but I, that's not what I really mean. Hypocritical in the sense that there are some things about God and His Word that we have an issue with, but when it comes to us naturally, I don't think as a parent all the rules of your house should be just because you're the dad or you're the mom. I don't think that should be the foundation of all the rules in your house. But I got to tell you, every now and then, I only need to give one explanation. I'm the dad. That's all I need to tell you. I'm the, why? I'm the dad. That's why. And usually when I may say that, if I say, let me rephrase that, if I say that, there's always... There's always more behind the reason than just, I'm the dad, so that's what I'm going to... No. I'm not a perfect father, but I'm trying to be like my heavenly father. And if my heavenly father tells me something, there's always a reason. There's always a purpose that is for my good. And there's a lot of things in His Word that He clearly explains why there's my, they're for my good. But sometimes, how can it be okay for me sometimes to just say, I'm the dad, that's why. And He can't just say if He wants to, I'm the Creator, that's why. I don't think this is really a positive thing to say, but there are those that have said it. Hopefully just totally facetiously, but I'm pretty sure there's some that weren't being facetious when they looked at their kids and said, I brought you into this world. <laughs> you know the rest. I, I, surely. <laughs> you know what? He, he brought us into this world. Not a, he didn't just bring us into this world, but all the things He did for us and all the efforts He's gone through to make for us. He, he, even if He decides to just say, I'm God, that's why. That ought to be enough. But the bottom line is, I know because I've gotten to know some things about Him and I've gotten to trust His character that if He decides not to give me an explanation and just says, I want you to do this, I've come to trust that whatever He does, whatever He he says is for my good. Listen, listen, let me remind you before I read. I'm going to go to Matthew 7, 13. But I, I want to read to you one more time the Living Bible from Proverbs 14 and 12. Before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road. That seems right, but ends in death. The, 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 the writer here, hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth, makes that statement. Two times that statement is made. Every man, before every man, there lies a wide 
and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death. Now watch what Jesus says. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter you in at the straight gate. Now watch this. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. Before every man lies a wide and pleasant road. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many... Many there be which go in there. I preached to you last Sunday morning. Do you know him? Forget what everybody else says. Forget what the the majority say. Forget what social media says. Forget what the internet says. Forget what the college professor says. Forget what the agenda of some educators may be. Do you know who He is? Because it's not the majority that determines right or wrong. And, 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 and Jesus says, Jesus says, there's a broad way and many, many. You ever drive by, a, especially if you're out of town nowadays, you know it. There's some things that are such mixed blessings. Most of the time, if we're out of town on vacation or something, we, we, we basically are not allowed to go to a restaurant until we see how many stars it has. We got to check Yelp. And I got to tell you, a lot of times it's very helpful. And I found it to be pretty accurate. If it says it's good, it usually is good. And if it doesn't have at least four stars, then we don't even think twice about it. Once again, so glad to know I've done it. Where was I going with Yelp and stars? And, hmm. ah, I think I think I know. We 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 can get the the opinion of the majority. Oh, I I know where I was going. So even now with Yelp, especially pre Yelp. You're out of town and you're driving. If it's dinner, now if it's off hours, that's one thing. But if it's dinner time, without stars, without apps, what were you interested in? How many people are in the parking lot? If it's dinner time, I mean, if it's prime hours for dinner and you're driving by a restaurant and there's only one or two cars in the lot, you're thinking, you know, the locals must know something. But you drive by a place that's got a pretty full lot, and it may mean you need to wait wait in line for a few minutes, but if you look at the lot, you're thinking, you know, somebody knows something. Either everybody's here for the first time and doesn't know anything, or somebody knows something. We let the, we let the crowd, we let the majority influence and for some we let it dictate how we think and believe and Jesus understanding that says broad is the way there's a wide broad way that many take that road but it leads 
to destruction. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Notice please that the word straight in those two verses is not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. It's S-T-R-A-I-T. Because that word straight is not referring to a straight line. That word straight, it also adds to it in verse 14, narrow. What it means is confining. Restricting is the way that leads to life. And few, few, I think I said this very similar analogy last Sunday morning. I'll say it again this morning. I turned on uh, for just a few moments last night the second game of the playoffs between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And as they were playing, I got on my app, real, my weather app real quick to check the weather. The game in Buffalo last night, the temperature for the game was 5 degrees with a wind chill factor of minus 8 degrees. And you know what's amazing, Brother Barr? Anytime there was a crowd shot, you didn't see one single empty seat. Tens of thousands of people. I mean, man, it was, it, it's, it's, it's still only 62 degrees. And some of you say, yeah, I know. By the way, I got some good news for you. We are right on the verge of having heat hooked up. So all of you that complain about it, it's always too cold can now flip and start complaining that it's too hot. I mean, think honestly, I, I, I came in here earlier this morning to pray a little bit and I had my overcoat on and the heaters were already running, the, the, the gas heaters we used to try to get the temperature up some. And, oh my goodness, it's cold. It's so cold in here. I wasn't outside. I mean, if I really thought it was cold, all I needed to do was go back outside for a moment. And I would know that it it's... It was cold. You, you, I mean, every person opening their mouth, see their breath, and they pack. I, I would venture to say there was 60 plus, I don't know what that stadium seats, but I would, most football stadiums are at least 60,000. Filling a stadium last night. I'm not pleased, I'm not in any way equating those being at that game last night that they're on their way to hell. That's not what I'm saying, because I don't believe that. But look around here. And, and, and even with those that are not here today because of sickness that would have been here, or maybe some that are out of town that would have been, that there still would have been a bunch of empty seats. Listen to the way Luke says this in verse 13 and 24. Matthew says, enter in. Matthew in writing what Jesus said says, enter in at the straight gate. But Luke says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. 
For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I don't think it's that, I know, it's not that they won't be able because, because they, they don't have what it takes. They, they, they don't have the resources. They don't have the education. They, they don't come from the right background. No, I think what the writer is saying here, many are going to strive to enter, but they're not going to be able to because at the end of the day, they're going to decide, I want my way. I don't want the restrictive, confining way. For as long as I can remember as toddlers and now as adults, young adults and adults, I've tried to use the, the tactic of parenting and when push comes to shove, if i got to put my foot down, I'll put my foot down. I will. But I've tried and continue with those that are still under my authority to use the tactic of getting you to do what I want you to do, but you think it's what you decided. Because if I can get you to do what I want you to do, what I think you should do, but you decided, I won't have to deal with your attitude. But usually if I put my foot down and say, this is what you're doing, even though it's not what you want to do, there's going to be some pushback. Man, it's a, every now and then you got to just make the call and it, oh well. But I got, I, man, there's so many times. Just be patient. I think a few times my wife's been a little bit, you know, come, come on, come on. No. And next thing you know, they're making the right choice. Hallelujah. Heading in the right direction. That, that's the enemy's tactic. He wants to get you to do what he wants you to do without realizing it's what he really wants you to do. Because if you knew it was him trying to get you to go a certain way, you'd, you'd be smart enough to go, hold on a minute, I don't trust you. Narrow, that word narrow, it's interesting. Again, here we are, I've never made so much emphasis on this in one service as I have this morning, but the word narrow to us is, is, is we think narrow. But that word narrow there actually means a rut or worn track. You ever driven down a dirt road that had ruts? And you get in those ruts, and you won't, you don't want to be in them. You try to get out of them. It's challenging, but sometimes you're on that road, and those just stay in the ruts. Because the reason the ruts are there is it's a worn path that somebody has driven time and time and time again. Because it gets you to the destination. Be careful when you're looking for a rutless path. Trying to find a new way or some new new options. You might be heading someplace different than where you really want to go. I know sometimes this, this thing we call Christianity, if we truly follow the Word of God, can seem restrictive and confining. But the good news is the destination of it. The outcome of it. 
It's a worn path, but it's a worn path that's going to take you to a destination that when you finally get there, you won't be disappointed. You won't be let down when you follow that narrow, straight path. Listen to what Adam Clark's commentary says about few there be that find it. The straight gate signifies literally what we call a wicket, i.e. a little door in a large gate. It's a gate among the the, the gate, um, a gate among the Jews signifies metaphorically the entrance, introduction, or means of acquiring anything. It's a straight gate. It's a narrow gate. It's it's not broad. Oh, it, it, it doesn't usually fit with your personal preferences, choices. It may seem restrictive and confining, but if you can just keep your eyes on where it's taking you, Barnes Note says this, Christ here compares the way to life to an entrance through a gate. The word straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, and straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, have very different meanings. The former means not crooked, the latter pent up, narrow, difficult to be entered. This is the word used here, and it means that the way to heaven is pent up, narrow, close. And not obviously entered. The way to death is open, broad, and thronged. The Savior here referred probably to ancient cities. They were surrounded with walls and entered through gates. Some of those connected with the great avenues to the city and were broad and admitted a throng. Others, for more private purposes, were narrow and few would be seen entering them. So says Christ is the path to heaven. It is narrow. It is not the great highway that people tread. Few go there. Here and there one may be seen traveling in solitude and singularity. The way to death, on the other hand, is broad. Multitudes are in it. It is the great highway in which people go. They fall into it easily and without effort and go without thought. If they wish to leave that and go by a narrow gate to the city, it would require effort and thought. So says Christ, diligence is needed to enter life. None go, of course, all must strive to, to obtain it. And so narrow, unfrequented, and solitary is it that few find it. Broad. Unrestrictive is the way. I could say it this way. Live however you want to live. Believe whatever you want to believe. Do whatever you want to do. It's an option. It's a choice that you and I have. I don't mean this flippantly. I don't mean it that way at all. But I sure hope you enjoy the trip. Because if you're following the broad way, hopefully it's a good trip. Because the destination is not. The outcome is not. 
there are times in which we we go through circumstances we 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 endure things because of the destination anybody here today would like to be interested in going to hawaii anybody some of y'all must be frozen from the 62 i don't know who wouldn't want to go to hawaii To get there, you're looking at almost five or six hours, depending where you're flying to on the East Coast. Then I think it's another five or six hours from the, excuse me, to the West Coast. It's another five or six hours from the West Coast to Hawaii. It's a six-hour time change. If you fly coach. You're probably sitting in a seat narrower than the one you're on right now. For those of you that aren't on the front row, believe it or not, the seat in front of you is closer than the one that's in front of you right now. If you're lucky to get the window off the aisle, at least you got one side that's nobody hemming you in. But if you're in the middle... And I, I, don't, I don't want to make anybody mad, just making a point, but it seems like whenever you end up in the middle seat, the largest people on the plane <laughs> just so happen to have the seats on each side of you. But you know what? You, you, you'd be willing to endure because... I hope it snows. I hope we get, I hope they messed up and we get 16, 20 inches instead of two to three. I know, uh, no, no, no. Then go to Hawaii. Y'all are telling me, go to New York or whatever. If you don't want the snow, and you had the option to go to a destination like that was warm and comfortable, you would be willing to endure hardship. Why? Because of the destination. If you think just because I'm the preacher and the pastor here, I like everything I do and I like all this stuff we do. As I don't know where you left your mind, but you need to go find it. Because I got just as much flesh as you do. I got just as much carnality that's got to be suppressed as you do. I'm not here doing what I do because I'm some unusual human being. But I'm here really because as an individual, not as a preacher, not as a pastor. I'm here because as an individual, I have decided to put my faith and trust that there is a destination. That the journey to get there may not be everything I want. But I'm willing to go through whatever I got to go through here and now as long as I can make it to that destination say it's it's unfair preacher for there to be such a narrow restrictive confining way it's unfair for that broad way to lead to destruction and that narrow way that few find to be the way that leads to life I would willingly agree with you if it were not for this book.
If it wasn't for this book, I would agree. But we live also in a day and time in which more people than any other time in history have access to the Word of God. And if we did not have that, it would be unfair. But we have it. And it tells us everything we need to do. It gives us all of the answers. It would be unfair if he said it's a narrow way and few find it. Hope you find it. That's not what he said in John 1. I read it to you last week. Light has appeared to all men. Paul says that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Jesus tells us, He doesn't just say there's a narrow way that leads to life and there's a broad way, hope you figure it out. He says in John 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm going to go back to my English to translation point. Again, if you look this verse up, you will find that the word the is not there just to add to it. The writers didn't just put the word the there so that it would maybe make it a little more readable. It's there intentionally because He is not a way and He is not a truth and He is not a life. He is the way, the only way. He is the truth, the only truth. And He's the life, the only life. Acts 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He tells us there's only one way. It's a narrow way. But he also says, I'm trying to tell you what the way is. And not only am I telling you what the way is, I've done everything necessary to make it possible for you to find the way. Oh, Jesus. I've gone above and beyond. I've, I've shed my blood. I've given my life. I've provided my grace and my mercy. And, and I've provided my spirit to empower you. I'm not just telling you find the way. Hope you get there. I want you to find the way. But I'm also willing to show you the way. And help you along the way. Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to find the way. And I want you to find the truth. And I want you to find the life come to this idea in the world today that everybody's got their truth. I'm really sorry to tell you today, my truth is not what's important. Your truth is not what's important. That's why by the help and grace of God, anything I ever say from this pulpit can be backed up here because I don't have a right doesn't matter what my position is. doesn't matter what my title is here. I don't have the right to try to give you my opinion. I have, an, I have a responsibility and my soul, my soul depends on me telling you the truth of the Word of God. Not my truth. Not my opinions. What, is, what does the Word say? You see, and I'm... I'm I'm going to find the runway here in a moment. I think the tower just told us we got to circle around. 
Amen. I, a couple of, I forget where I was going, but one of the last times I flew, we were heading into Atlanta, and we were on the approach, and I mean, we were, we were low enough that you're basically almost looking at the tops of buildings. I'm not talking two-story, I'm talking one-story buildings, and all of a sudden, the pilot hit the throttle, and we go back up. I don't remember what airline it was, and so I'm going to be nice. I can't remember what it was, and even if I did, I wouldn't call it. Just try to be kind. But there was some poor customer service because we got no explanation. I really would have appreciated somebody telling me why we were feet from the ground to land, and all of a sudden, <laughs> we took back off. That's really not relevant to the message. It just had to do with the thought of. So if you're trying to figure out where I'm going with that, I just got there. <laughs> Full disclosure. But, but let's, let's go back one more time. One more time for now. There may be one more time again. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So here's the bottom line. I, I readily acknowledge to you that not every person that decides to live their own way, to do their life their way, I readily acknowledge to you not every one of those people have miserable, terrible lives. From a natural perspective, there's a lot of people who have chosen the broad way that have, from a natural perspective, what appears to be a very enticing life. And so some people, death may not be death here now. But unfortunately, there's a more significant death than the death of you and I passing from this life. Four times it's mentioned this way in the book of Revelation. There's plenty of other things throughout Scripture about it. But four times it's mentioned in the book of Revelation. The first one is second, is chapter 2, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Revelation 20 and 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. 21 and 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Scripture says it is appointed unto man once to die unless you leave this earth by the rapture of the church. You're going to die you're not going to live forever. Doesn't matter what vitamins you take. 
Doesn't matter what surgeries you have. Doesn't matter. You're going, eventually, you're going to die. But the death that's the one the Scripture's talking about that's so tragic is the second death. Because that's the final death. That's the permanent death. And unlike death in this life where it's just life ceases to be, what's really most significant about that death is it is eternal separation from God. Call us crazy if you want to, but as a believer, I believe that when a child of God passes away, when a child of God leaves this life, the Bible says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so we are not living for this life only. Again, call me what you want to call me, but I believe that there is something after death Also, what's after death is not temporal, it's eternal. And so really it's not ultimately about death here and now. I believe ultimately what Scripture's talking about is that second death. That if you don't follow God's way and live God's way, then it's going to lead you to the second death. Your way may seem right, your way may feel right, your, may, your way may appeal to you, but if it's not God's way. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I... Here, here's, the, here's one of the awesome things, last verses. John 10 and verse 9. Verse 9 really is just a different way of saying... What I've already read to you where Jesus says, I am the way. Because here Jesus says, I am the door. Not a door, the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now watch, watch this, watch this next verse. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, if Jesus said, and he, had the, he would have the right, but if he stopped at narrow is the way, straight and narrow is the way to get to eternal life. And, and basically said to us, suck it up. Based on the destination you're getting to, I don't want to hear any griping and complaining. He really had the right to do that. Here's what's so amazing to me about God. Is when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he says, I am the door, is he talking about eternal life? Absolutely. That's what's most important. But here's something. When I was young, I was told... 
And now that I'm older, I will continue to add ER for a long time. Now that I'm older, I have seen with my own eyes that He doesn't just give eternal life. Life more abundantly is not just about eternal life. Life more abundantly is about here as well. Just like you, I'm not perfect. Just like you, I don't do this perfectly. I never have and I never will. But I think I can say to the best of my ability, I've tried to walk this path since I was a child. I've I've tried to walk this narrow way. at 50 years old I can tell you I wouldn't have it any other way I wouldn't trade it what the world says I'm missing out on the world says I'm, I'm giving up I've said this so many times and I'll keep saying it from time to time if you decide to take the gamble and I, I, I you know there's from a natural standpoint it'd be very appealing to have a very emotional moment right now and emotional high I think that's it's okay at times but you can't always respond out of emotion we need moments like this sometimes where we can think and we can process back to my teenage years and have the option to choose a different path do my life, live my way knowing what I know now that's right I told you I was about to use something I used many times and I forgot if you decide you decide we have the right to choose. If you decide, you know what, I just don't know I believe all this Bible stuff. I don't know that I believe there really is anything after death. I think I'm just going to take my chances. there really is nothing if when you breathe your last breath that's it it's all over with nothing more that really is the case in fact Solomon says this in 
Ecclesiastes, he says, basically, he says, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. And then, and then he says this, it's kind of interesting, I've studied this verse and I'm pretty sure this is what he's saying. He basically then says, do whatever you want to do, live however you want to live, but he doesn't stop there. Because he says, just know that anything you do, everything you do is going to be brought into account. You're going to have to answer for it. So, so if you do whatever you want to do, live however you want to live, and you breathe your last breath, and that's it. There's nothing more. Fantastic. But what happens if you choose to disregard the Word of God and don't believe that it is the way, the truth, and the life, and don't really want to, what, what happens if you get to the end and you find out it really was true, it really was real? Unfortunately, contrary to what some religions may teach, you don't get another chance. This is the chance right here, right now. The very fact you're sitting in this room right now hearing this message means you're getting your chance. So the other side of that is, what if? I readily acknowledge, what if we get to the end and I've lived the way I've lived. I've put my faith and trust in the Word of God and God and I've tried, again, not perfectly, but I've tried to live according to God's will, God's way. What happens if I get to the end and it turns out this really is all there was? There's nothing else after this life. What have I lost? What have I given up? What have I missed out on? just weeks away basically at this point from celebrating 30 years of marriage we got a little I know when it gets here really gets here it'll be different I know I know for those of you that would be coming back tonight I'm borrowing a little bit of my time I know when we hit really hit empty nest, it's I know, but we had a taste of empty nest the last couple days. Obviously Esther's now married, but the other three young adults are away for awakening in Michigan. And I gotta tell you, last forty eight hours wasn't wasn't so bad. We thought my wife, to her credit, like any, I think, good wife should do when you're starting to see that coming, is, is there more to us than them? Do we have something that's going to keep us together? Do we have a relationship that's not built on them? I got to tell you, the last 48 hours, I'm feeling pretty hopeful. What have, what have I lost? 
we spent some of it in stores on Friday. Good news is my wife dislikes shopping just as much as I do. We I should I guess I'm now going to undermine what I refrained from doing, but I I really I think I missed a great moment social media post yesterday. It's kind of amazing. This is a little bit of a I'm getting on the service road for a moment. We'll get back on 50 in just a second. It's kind of sad that there's nothing really private anymore. Meaning, there's something, the world doesn't need to know every time you and your wife go out to eat on a date. You don't need to post all of your anniversary thoughts on Facebook. Just tell her. I, I really, I, I, I missed a moment. I should have posted this on. I'm sure I could have gotten tons of comments too. We we had a little fireside dinner in the living room last night. Set up a little. I set up the table. I put a tablecloth on it. I set out the plates. I put the candle. What what have I lost? And then. And then we, we, we get a text. We're just doing stuff around the house. Get a text. She gets a text. Esther texts her and Jalen. This is Jalen, my son. Her and Jalen, I don't know which one. One of them had the revelation we were home alone. And they they invited us to come over and play games for a little while. We spent a couple hours last night. Esther makes a mean lemon cookie. I really left there hoping that her and Jalen were not counting how many I ate. Y'all didn't talk about me after I left. You better tell the truth. You're on the platform. get to the end and I find out I, I really didn't need to give my Sundays to Jesus. I, mean, I know we're supposed to give every day. I get that. I, I didn't have to get up every Sunday morning and go to church when I could be sleeping. I, I didn't have I, I, what have I lost? What have I lost? And if I get to the end, which I am fully expecting to do, is get to the end and find out there is more, then I can say, you know what? Not only do I know what, not only will I now experience eternal life, but I also know what it's like to have life more abundantly. In this. That, that's not measured by how much money is in your bank account. It's not measured by the price of the car you came in. It's not measured by the brand of the clothes you're wearing. It's, it's not based on the neighborhood you live in. It's not based on... I, I, I've mentioned this before. Brother Jeff Alex sent me a video a couple days ago of 
of Will Smith, the actor Will Smith, and, and the, the gist of it was he was talking about with all of his success and accomplishments and everything he has, that there's, 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 there's more, there's got to be something else. There's a way that seems right unto a man. The end of the ways of death. There's also another way leads to life everlasting and it is life more abundant I, I don't know exactly what else we'll do but at least for right now would you just bow your heads for a moment right where you are I believe I'm preaching to somebody today that you've never made up your mind you haven't decided yet take that narrow road you're living a road walking a road that seems right in your own eyes what a wonderful day what a wonderful moment to decide I don't want to walk the road that seems right to me I want to walk the road that the Bible declares to be the right way the only I also believe that there's some people here this morning that I'm preaching to that you, you, you've committed a long time ago to walk this road, to walk the straight, the narrow. But either you've been through some times and some of you may be even a moment in a season right now where there's, you're feeling temptation, you're feeling the distraction of, do I really want to stay on this straight, narrow path? with so few do I want to forsake it to take that broad wide way and once again you need to make up your mind that you're not going to walk the way that seems right to you but you're going to walk the way that God has declared to be the way I think I will do this if you would continue please just for a moment I know it's way late I know that but please whichever category you may fall in or somewhere in between all of that I want to give an invitation right now to somebody to, to get up out of your seat and come down to the front to this altar area whichever category you may be in whichever phase you're in either to make that first time decision and commitment or to recommit I don't know probably a variety but I believe there's at least somebody here this morning this needs to be either a day of commitment for the first time for you or it needs to be a day of recommitment. I'm not here preaching to you today that when you walk that straight, narrow way that it's all pleasant and enjoyable, that everything's always easy, always goes. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. As I have said, it's, it's about the outcome. I want to I encourage you.
encourage some young people right now, some young adults, to make a fresh commitment this morning. We don't, we don't outgrow the temptation. We don't outgrow the pressure. I, I, I do believe that in a lot of ways, as youth and young adults, it's one of the most challenging seasons of life. make the decision to walk that straight narrow way when you see so many that are walking that broad wide path there's some wisdom and things that come with age and experience that I think the older you get the, the more you're able to I don't want to say easily but maybe it's easier I acknowledge today there's so many pressures and temptation we got social media in our face and Hollywood and movies and TV and promoting so many different lifestyles that can be a challenge can I, can I get some adults that would come and join with some of these young people some of these young adults would you Join with them and pray that God would strengthen them today. Pray that God would help them today. Pray that God would give them the strength and the grace they need to stay on the path. No matter what direction their peers are going, no matter what direction so many people in the world may be going, that they would keep their eyes fixed the way, the truth, and the life, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, well, I got a young man over here, need somebody to pray with him, this isn't about making a commitment to be perfect, this is not about making a commitment that you're never going to make a mistake, that's impossible. We're human beings. But the wonderful thing is God knows us, knows that we will make mistakes and He's provided everything we need. When we stumble and fall, we don't have to stay down. When, when we make a mistake, we're not disqualified now. willing to forgive us. He's willing to provide His grace to strengthen us. Whatever it is you and I need, whatever we need to walk that path, whatever it is we need to walk that narrow way, He has provided what we need. He didn't just leave it up to you and I to do it on our own by ourselves. He's not just sitting on a throne somewhere up in heaven looking down on us saying, I hope you get it right. I hope you stay on the right path. He, he's with us. He's alongside of us. He said in His Word, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The psalmist David said it this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
not in this by myself. I don't have to do this all alone. What is awesome is not only do I have Jesus with me, but I've got brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that are walking with me. They're helping me. They're encouraging me. When I can't do it by myself, they come alongside me and help me walk with me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help us today. Lord, with all of the options in this world, with all of the voices that are calling out to us, with all of the pressures that we feel, with the the peer pressures that we deal with, help us to be able to focus in on you and your word and the life that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Whenever you need to go or you want to go, you're welcome to do so. You don't have to go. Don't be in a hurry. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is doing some things of eternal value here today. Jesus, I pray that you would give fresh strength today. Grace, God. That you would empower us afresh and anew, Lord. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do it on our own, God. We need you. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your spirit empowering us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of God, I don't want to walk the way that I think's right. I don't want to walk the road that I've decided is the right road. I want to walk the road according to your word. I want to follow the path that you've given, Lord. It leads to life and life more abundantly. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name.